The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting truly. I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and do not steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. <clears throat> Almost two years ago, exactly, <clears throat> the world was newly besieged by COVID-19, the last day of school for the Iowa City Community School District and the University of Iowa was March 13, 2020. Public school kids came home for spring break and did not go back. University students went home for spring break and did not come back. Two years, the world has journeyed through this pandemic. While initially there were hopes that somehow this universal fear would unite our country, which was already divided politically, it seems that somehow the pandemic made people draw their lines deeper in the sand, choosing polarizing sides regarding masks, vaccinations, and in-person versus virtual gatherings. The only thing that seemed to sustain and unite us was that moment when we could finally put this thing behind us, when life might return to some sort of normal. And well, that time seems to have come. We can say with a fair degree of certainty that we have beaten COVID-19, variants are weakening, 
and effective vaccinations are readily and abundantly available to the public. The current trends are so encouraging from the CDC, in fact, that we can now gather and worship together without masks, that students can feel safe attending class, that travel to unite with loved ones feels safe, that chatting with friends in the grocery store or going out to eat finally feels good. I think in my mind, because I have a penchant for the dramatic, I had always envisioned some sort of victorious marking of this moment, like yelling in the streets or waving flags or burning of masks or I don't know what. For two years, I wondered, I think we all wondered, what this time would look like when we would emerge from the grip of pandemic and crawl out of our holes and finally look around. What kind of world would we then encounter? In many ways, it's the same world as before, maybe even a scarier version of the world two years ago. We emerged to see that the climate crisis has not suddenly or magically disappeared, despite the fact that there were some hopeful trends when the world was forced to stand still. In fact, it seems the crisis has reached a bleak tipping point, according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. We emerged to find dictators and invasions are still things, even despite two years of compassionate prayers for global health and healing. We see human rights still under attack, evidenced by recent movements putting nationwide access to legal abortion at risk. We see racial injustice still raging, with the death of George Floyd and his murderers receiving fair punishment, but unjust punishment and inadequate punishment for others. We see public education still under attack with talks of book bannings and nationwide movements to repeal critical race theory from public education. So in some ways, we emerge from this pandemic to a world that is very much the same as when we first went into lockdown or even a much darker version than the one we knew two years ago. However, in other ways, the world is very much changed. Protests in Russia resulting in 10,000 arrests objecting to the invasion of Ukraine shows a new courage in a country where such anti-government displays are illegal and in fact life-threatening. Ukrainian courage displays a brave, although bloody, example of unity and sacrifice and a new resistance to totalitarian regimes. There is a renewed faith in science by some regarding medicine and vaccines and inventive ways to address our suffering planet. There is a heightened demand for justice given all the racial atrocities that have occurred during the pandemic alone. 
There is a new perspective on the role of work in one's life. Yes, resulting in shortages in the workplace, but also a close examination of one's priorities. There is a deepened appreciation for friends and family, ones with whom we have journeyed these past two years. As we emerge from pandemic, <clears throat> we discover a world that is sadly the same, and yet is surprisingly and strangely changed. For two solid years, our whole world has stared mortality in the face. Five and a half million people around the globe have lost their lives to COVID-19. And it is most appropriate to reflect on these things today on Ash Wednesday, when we as a church stare mortality in the face for the next six weeks during Lent. On the surface, it might seem insane to set aside six weeks in order to intentionally ponder what it means to die. Many denominations have abandoned this practice. In fact, the only remaining denominations to continue this um, are Anglican, Eastern and Oriental Orthodox, Reformed, Roman Catholic, Methodist, Moravian, and Lutheran. On one hand, you could say <clears throat> that these church bodies are unnecessarily preoccupied with suffering and death. On the other hand, you could make the argument that these denominations are genuinely badass, bravely staring death in the face like David did to Goliath in 1 Samuel, like Gandalf did to the Balrog in Lord of the Rings, like Eleven did to the Mind Flayer in Stranger Things. It takes a certain courage to be marked with ash and profess the truth that you will die, that I will die, that this earth and all of its kingdoms will die, and that everything in the end comes from dust, and to dust it will return. It seems dark, it is dark, but it's true and kind of simple. These things were simpler for me in my early days of ministry before I had children, but eventually the time came when my parishioners brought forward my own sons for me to mark with ash and tell them they are dust, and they will return to dust, and they will die, and I've never been able to do that with a dry eye since. Things are not so simple then when Ash Wednesday forces you to look loved ones in the eye and proclaim mortality. This week I have been distracted and sad, as I know many of you have also been. <clears throat> when I lived in Europe, I spent much time in Ukraine. When I taught in Hungary, it was an easy train ride for me and my students to go to Kiev. Over the years, we took countless field trips to Ukraine. I recognized the neighborhoods and the town squares that are destroyed now and bombed. Parks where we picnicked and dozed in the sun are now black and charred. Parks like Pushkin Park. 
I have friends there whom I haven't heard from. And I fear for their lives. But I also spent a lot of time in Russia. <clears throat> in fact, I spent about six months with host families, both in Moscow and St. Petersburg. I have friends on that side of the war, too, whom I also haven't heard from. And I wonder if they are in jail for protesting. To see evil in an unprovoked invasion is easy. To have friends on both sides of a war is complicated. Things are not simple. They never are. <clears throat> both sides of any war must understand that death can and will come to each. So mortality then is both simple and not so simple. Those of us old enough to remember the Cold War feel that familiar churning in the stomach when Putin starts flexing his nuclear power. I have sons who sit at the breakfast table with their friends and talk about the draft, somewhat joking, and then they grow quiet. They believe in patriotism, but they've watched countless war movies, and suddenly it's not so funny or so simple for them or for any parent to imagine the worst-case scenario if NATO changes its mind. They laugh like boys, which is simple, but then they imagine like men, which is not. As I considered Ash Wednesday and Lent this year, I honestly found myself almost not caring. But then I realized it's not that I don't care, it's that I'm tired, and I think you are as well. I think many, including myself, have grown so used to staring at mortality that it seems like we've been in Lent for two straight years. The world has been smearing itself with ash for two long years. For two years, we've seen images of funeral pyres and refrigerated trucks that store the dead. We have watched the mortality rate climb, and we have grown intimately involved with death. Have we then become desensitized to mortality? Has the world been so bombarded by bombs, floods, tornadoes, and disease that Lent simply cannot be contained by a mere six weeks? Indeed, it feels like Lent is much longer than six weeks. It feels like we've been in Lent a long time. It feels like we live in Lent. But in fact, we do not. We do not live in Lent. We live in Easter, even if it's hard to detect. We are not Lenten people. We are Easter people. While it is true that the predominant message of Lent is you will die, there is another Lenten truth far more powerful, and that is the truth that you will live. While I don't know exactly what that means, nobody does. We cling to faith that when you and I and the rest of creation turns to dust due to disease and age and time, God somehow manages to reassemble those particles of dust into whatever resurrection is, that we will all somehow participate in creation forever along with the one who created all things. 
God does this because God loves you, whoever you are, and whatever you are about. Whatever you have done, whatever you have not done, whomever you love, and whomever you can't love. Lent and death, then, no matter how dark and overpowering, do not get the final word. Easter and life get the final word. So don't worry so much about outward displays of Lent. Honestly, who has energy for that anyway? Our scriptures today warn against such public displays of piety. Who gives up meat or alcohol or chocolate or whatever is fine if that's important to you, but it's certainly not worth feeling anxious or guilty about, and it's certainly not true that God requires such things. If you give up a thing to control a habit or engage a health issue, awesome, good for you, but it's pretty certain God is not much concerned if you have a steak on Friday and a big glass of red wine to go with it. God is much more interested in feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, fighting for justice loving creation, honoring all people. Lent, then, is an internal journey rather than a corporate display of, look how pious we are. Lent is an inward reorientation toward the other, an inner transformation that leads to identifying ones who live in perpetual Lent, in perpetual death in perpetual hell, and giving others hope and love and all the power of God's grace, even in complicated times and situations that are not simple. So as we embark on this brave journey in continuing to confront mortality, are there not such signs of life and hope all around us? You bet there are. Most assuredly, windows are open, so spring air can come in, I guess, until tomorrow when it will snow again, but eventually that will all end. Masks are off. And even as we remember what bad breath is like, this is joy. To watch lips speak, to see a whole face smile. Doug and I went to a show choir concert last, last Saturday, and even though it lasted two and a half hours, it felt like heaven. And while I desperately pray that heaven, in whatever form it is, does not include jazz hands, it was exhilarating, sacred almost to see a packed auditorium, to hear unmuffled voices sing as loud as they could, to watch exuberant dancing, to clap and sing along with musicians, many of whom have waited two long years to take the stage, to see youth much like the ones I work with, and to feel my heart swell with indescribable hope. And many tears flowed that day, not just my own, to watch live music which we have yearned for for so long, and to applaud to another graduating class of 2022, this time my sons, signs of hope, signs of life. In many ways, friends, it might feel like we live in Lent, like we're forever stuck here in a place of death, but be assured, beloved, we are not. We live 
in Easter, and we hold fast to that resurrection hope even today as we soon receive a smudge of ash and are told that we are dust. But we know that that smudge is in the shape of a cross, the very shape traced on your foreheads when you were baptized, when you were sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. That same cross where Jesus died gives life to all people, all, without condition. Lent is for all. All die. Easter is for all. All live. God does not abandon in life. God does not abandon in death. God does not abandon in eternity. All things are created from dust by the very breath of God. And when all things cease to be, when our dust settles and death comes, as it will to all of us, God will breathe and create again. Amen.